All right, glad you're with us. Happy Friday. And right down our toll-free telephone number, it's 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, yeah, I know all eyes are on the Middle East. And I know how the media is playing. You know, the media, if Donald Trump, I said this before, if he cured cancer, they'd criticize him. Gave every American millions of dollars, they'd criticize him. Uh, look at creepy, crazy, you know, sleepy Uncle Joe. And, you know, he's got some real racial issues. I don't my whole life. Yeah, your whole life is the problem. And we'll get to that in a few minutes uh, later today. But, uh, of course, all eyes are on the Middle East. We now have had two incidences, one involving the shooting down in international waters of a drone, an American drone uh, by Iran. And then, of course, earlier in the Gulf of Oman, you had the two tankers that were hit by the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. And we have all that evidence, too. And I know a lot of people expected to lose cannon, Donald Trump to race out there and and go out and bomb them to smithereens. Oh, I think a rea- response is coming, by the way. I have no doubt a response is coming, uh, but it will be on his time. Now, one thing that the president, I think, has been right on, and I remember this was this this was my personal relationship with with Donald Trump long before he was thinking of running for office, but he was fully engaged. He never liked the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. And he would say, why are we there? Why are we there? Why are we there? And I said, well, you know, I felt after 9-11, we had to. It is just one of those moments where you, you, you know, it just called for it. The worst attack on history. Now, We've learned a lot since then in as much as and even as a supporter of the conflict and certainly the surge was painful and difficult. And what really pissed me off on one hand, you know, we were not ready in terms of we didn't have the military readiness. We didn't even have. And again, we didn't know this at the time early on. We didn't have up armored Humvees. I'm like, what? And these kids are getting their legs blown off and and their faces disfigured and their arms blown off. And we're not protecting our own kids. It drove me nuts. And yeah, we got to Baghdad quickly. And that part of the mission was accomplished. And the media made such a big deal about that. Uh, But just think and remember how politicized that war became. I mean, it was, you know, Mitch McConnell telling then President, by the way, um, then President Bush that, no, we're not going to do the surge. We're going to start it, but not finish it. Now, to the president's credit, he has used all of the new technologies that we have available. And uh, hang on, I got to write something. Okay. Um, anyway, so we got I think the answer is a new technology. Because after Vietnam and you lose 58,000 kids. Now, let's slow down for a second. 58,000 American kids. That's our national treasure. That is, you know, I know that America has paid the price for freedom. The blood, the, 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 the toil, the sweat, the tears. We have been, we've even taken on the financial burden to keep the world safe. We don't get credit from many parts of the world, but it's been us. You know, there's never been Barry Farber, a country that has accumulated more power, abused it less than the United States of America. Add Sean Hannity, never been a 
country in the history of man that has accumulated more power and used it for the advancement of the human condition more than the United States. And Colin Powell, he often said this, you know, we don't ask, we don't conquer, we don't take lands that at the most we might ask for Normandy, for example, uh, a plot to bury our dead that went to fight to free Europe from the clutches of, of Nazism and fascism. You know, it's hard for good people to know that there's evil. But you can see it, you know, maybe most of you are so busy in your daily lives, and I would understand it completely. Life is busy. Life is tough. Life is hard. And you get up in the morning and you shovel some coffee down your throat and you help your kids getting dressed for school and getting off to the school bus or maybe you drive them yourself, whatever it happens to be. And then you're racing to work and then you get to work and you're already behind the eight ball and you got this meeting and this presentation and you got this to do and you got, let's see, oh, I got to finish this job. I promised the homeowner I'd be done in a week and I have two weeks worth of work and I really got it. Now I'm working 18 hours a day. And then you go home. If your kids are asleep, okay, you don't see them or you help them with their homework, you feed them and you get into bed, you try and read a book to them and your eyes are falling asleep, you know, falling down because you're dead tired from the day. And then you you get up the next morning and it's like Groundhog Day. You do it day in and day, day in and day out. It's There is a grind aspect to life. Now, on the other hand, if you had to get up every day and you had nothing to do, it may sound appealing while you're in the middle of the grind that represents real life or real people. But I can't think of anything worse than waking up and having nothing to do except turning on the TV and watch, you know, Maury Povich say, you are not the father. You're not. The, you know, it's ridiculous. By the way, and then he acts like he's so compassionate. Oh, I know. You thought he was the father. Don't worry. We'll test the next guy. And if it's not him, we'll text the next guy for you. I find it so exploitive to be blunt. Just horrible. Well, we'll get you counseling. No, this is not about, this is about, well, we'll fly you to New York. We'll give you a big hotel room. You can ride in a limousine. And, you know, we're really going to try and exploit you and, and make fun of your story. And then five years from now, you're going to feel embarrassed that you ever did this. It's terrible. But, you know, but we need every human being, I think, needs a purpose. I've said many times the Latin derivative of education is educare to bring forth from within. And that presupposes is predicated on a belief that that I really have in my heart, which is that every single one of us were created by a living God with talent and ability and if that talent is in us, then if we live in a good environment and we're given love and an atmosphere where we can bring the talents to fruition, wow, people will benefit from our service. Everybody works in the service industry in some way, shape, manner, or form. I mean, you know, every job I've ever done is a service job. Dishwashing, obviously. Cooking, obviously. Making dinner. Bussing tables. Cleaning up. You know, then waiting tables giving a good dining experience to people that, you know, want to have a good night out on the town and have some fun. And attending bar was kind of a good time for me because people are having fun. And so how can you not have fun? Maybe too much fun. I had at that age, tender age of 17. Yes. Even before the legal drinking age. Um, and, but life is hard, but you, but you know what? We're all in the service business right now. We're in the news and information 
entertainment business. I've said this many times. Well, I'm a member of the press. I am a member of the press. This is what we do. I work on a news channel. I work on a radio station. And, you know, for example, there are many nights, and we did part of this during the show last night, we just gave out information. There are plenty of interviews, hundreds of hours I could produce, radio, TV. We do straight interviews. In other words, no opinion, just, okay, what, what's the news of the day? What happened at the school shooting, God forbid? What happened in New Orleans? What happened in Afghanistan? What happened in Iraq? Th- those are not strong opinion nights. And then we do investigative reporting, the whole deep state, which we've been involved in now for well over two years. We'll vet Obama just like we're vetting Biden and all the other, you know, Democratic, socialist, radical extremists that want to be president and take on Trump. Good luck to any of them. But, you know, so we do investigative reporting. We do straight reporting. We don't hide the fact that I am a conservative conservative you know why donald trump's economy is good because he applied conservative principles limited government ending burdensome bureaucracy the biggest tax cuts in history and unleashing the energy explosion which has now brought us to the point where 75 years for the first time we are energy independent which the timing couldn't be any better with everything that is happening in the, the Straits of Hormuz and Oman and what Iran is doing and the saber rattling. And the only reason all of that is happening is because Donald Trump is not an appeaser like Bill Clinton appeased Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, and, and tried to bribe him out of nuclear. This is a good deal for the American people. We're going to be safe and secure. Not gonna, I'm, you promise now no nuclear weapons. Yeah, great. They have nuclear weapons. Or the Biden-Obama you know, bribery of mullahs of, in Iran, appeasement again. And they drop $150 billion in cash and other currency on the tarmacs for radical mullahs that are committed to the, the idiocy, the insanity, the ideology, the theocracy of you either convert or die. And they're willing to strap bombs on their own kids and, pra- and, and promise them you know, virgins in, in heaven if they kill innocent men, women, and children, especially Americans or Jews. This is a real clear present danger for the world. What, 100 million human souls were murdered in the last century. We see evil every day. For those of you that don't read the newspaper, you read about, oh, rape of young kids. One of the things that drives me nuts about not securing our border is the human trafficking aspect of things. We've, we now have chronicled, we've interviewed these people that have worked 15 years at the border and these human smuggling rings of teen, young teenage girls that are sex trafficked into you know, states like New York where they're raped 30 or 40 times a day. That's happening in the world we live in, evil before our eyes. Well, it would be smart to secure the border. It'd be smart to secure the border when 70, when 90% of the heroin in this country comes across that border. Now fentanyl coming across that border. It'd be smart to do that too. The cartels, the gangs, and of course, in a two-year period, 4,000 homicides And then you've got 30,000 violent sexual assaults. And then you've got 100,000 violent assaults by illegal immigrant criminals. Well, it would be smart if we could vet people. Anyway, so 
Now we're in the, okay, what are we going to do about Iran stage? The only reason we're here is because the Iranian economy contracted over 4% last year. It's going to be 6 to 8% this year. They're now going to be facing inflation at uh, a whopping 40%. And that means they're in economic trouble and they already have a restless population that is sick and tired of this repressive theocracy and their insane ideology and watching people get stoned to death, uh, quote, either for adultery or if you're gay and lesbian, they're throwing you off roofs and killing you just for being who you are there, too. I don't know why liberals are so quiet about life under Sharia law for women, gays, lesbians, Christians, Jews. I don't understand it. I mean, to me, I'm... I'm the human rights advocate here. Just like, you know, we're the civil libertarians on the abuse of power. All right. I want to uh, get to a lot today. I'm going to tell you what I think is coming next. Uh, We'll get to all of that. We also have a lot to get to in terms of the deep state, the 2020 candidates and much, much more. All right. As we roll along, Sean Hannity, Sean, this Friday, 800-941-SEAN. Look, we all know Iran made a mistake. You don't have to be a genius to realize that they are feeling the pressure. They're cocky. They probably have think they have support of Putin that I doubt that they really have. And the president has been very clear. He's not going to get involved in an international entanglement in the Middle East ever again. And by the way, being energy independent. The Straits of Hormuz has never mattered less to our lifeblood uh, of oil and gas because we're now producing, outproducing all these other countries. Thank God. The timing couldn't be any better. Iran attacked the United States, our asset, over international waters. This comes a week after they attacked and destroyed two commercial tankers in international waters. There will be a measured response. Some people, well, why didn't he do it yesterday? He doesn't have to do it yesterday. Well, he didn't do it yet today. doesn't have to do it today. Um, One thing I would say is we've learned from Iraq, Afghanistan, and Vietnam is uh, how many more times are we going to start wars, lose our national treasure, and then allow a war to be politicized? I'm I'm not willing to accept those conditions anymore. And the president, in that sense, is probably right. We, the country is so divided, we, we don't have the stomach for it. So any conflict or war, I would say, has to be fought on a whole different level. I would like for the United States, I think this has to be our number one national security imperative, that we develop the next generation of military weaponry as fast as we can. Because once wars become politicized, uh, they don't end with the complete victory that they should. And we don't want kids going door to door like they did in Iraq. But if we have the most advanced weaponry, uh, I would much prefer we devastate our enemies from Tampa than in with boots on the ground. I'll explain. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Iran directly attacked a United States asset over international waters. This provocation comes a week after they attacked and destroyed two commercial tankers in international waters. 
There must be a measured response to these actions. Now, the New York Times came out with a piece that, well, the president sent the planes up in the air and then decided at the last minute not to do it. That's, uh, I'm getting a little bit different take than some other people. The decision was going to be made while they're in the air. It was an option in the air. Um, do I think there's going to be a response? Yes. Do I think it's going to be uh, proportional? Yeah, I would say it probably is. I kind of have my own rule, which is somebody hits you, you got to hit them back at least 10 times harder. Now, what is not being reported is the president, you know, what has precipitated Iran acting this way? Well, that's the, the fact that they're not getting blackmailed anymore. They're not blackmailing America anymore. And even worse than that, you know, the weak, feckless Obama Biden appeasement policies are now long gone. And Trump is not going to be sending over one hundred and fifty billion dollars in cash and other currency on a plane to land on a tarmac of radical Islamic mullahs that burn our flag, chant death to America, death to Israel, burn the Israeli flag that have threatened nothing but Iranian hegemony in the region. And that if you the, the, the real bigger picture, you got to think more strategically here. There's really only one significant thing that matters in all of this. That everybody understand you cannot allow these radical mullahs in Iran to get nuclear weapons. That's it. That is, you know, and will be, I can tell you, the Trump doctrine on Iran. It's not going to happen. Mike Pompeo has said it. The president has said it. Right now, Iran is having a very hard time. They are adjusting that they now know it will be on Donald Trump's time. Now, the world's watching. That means China's watching. Russia's watching. The North Koreans are watching. You know, I, I, I'm not expecting this quick, speedy. Um, I'm going to expect a well thought out response. President, I thought very cleverly said, oh, they couldn't have decided this on their own. You're not that stupid. I think they probably did decide it. The president knows they decided it. Uh, You know, if you want to know exactly, though, why they're acting out is that, remember, it was 2015. You know, I don't understand. We don't learn the lessons of history. Hannity history lesson. Uh, Winston Churchill, Neville, Neville Chamberlain. Neville Chamberlain goes, you know, here you got Hitler is literally conquering nation after nation and and bowling down Europe. And he says so they have the the meeting in Munich. And that's when Neville Chamberlain comes back after meeting Adolf Hitler. There will be peace in our time. Meanwhile, they allow Hitler to continue his military and territorial ambitions. But we're okay cuz we made a deal. Well, it didn't work out that way. And the moral voice of clarity at that dark hour was Winston Churchill who studied and understood the nature, the geopolitical ambitions, the territorial ambitions of, of Hitler. And he warned everybody. And all of a sudden, yeah, it happened. And then great Britain is dragged into that war as anybody could see through the prism of history. And then the 
People of Britain called in Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill said, victory, blood, toil, tears, sweat. I would say to the House, as I said to those who have joined the government, I what have is our nothing aim? to offer but blood, toil, oh, yeah. tears, sweat. and sweat. You ask what is our policy. Victory. I will say it is to wage war by sea, land, and air with all our might and with all the strength that God can give us. To wage war against a monstrous tyranny never surpassed in the dark and lamentable catalogue of human crime. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Without victory, there is no survival. You know, there have been, I, I, when I wrote the book, Deliver Us From Evil, I understand. It's, it's hard to understand, but once you understand it, I have, I've concluded that it's hard for good people to wrap their arms around the fact that evil forces exist. You think of the, you think of the concentration camps. That's what made the comments of Ocasio-Cortez so disgusting and despicable the other day. You know, comparing the, the remember, the people that came to the country illegally that are being fed, given food and water, medicine, supplies and cots and blankets and clothes and whatever's necessary to concentration camps where they slaughtered thousands and thousands of people daily. Six million Jews alone murdered in the concentration camps and she makes this flippant comparison and stands by it you know besides the utter complete ignorance on her part which is breathtaking it just shows nobody seems i guess the expectations of her knowing something are not very high because there was nobody in their party that seemed to blink an eye but if you look at fascism Communism, Stalin, Russia, the killing fields, Cambodia, Nazism, real concentration camps. It's evil. We see, what do you think, a drug dealer that doesn't give a rip that some kid's going to die from the crap that he just sold them? That's evil, too. If you can harm a child in any way, which happens so often, sadly, we read about it every night. That's evil, too. But all told, if you just add up the numbers, these are rough estimates. In the last century alone, 100 million people died. 100 million. My father signed up, fought four years in the Pacific. You think we just, you know, had the anniversary, 75th anniversary? You think of those kids slamming the beaches of Normandy? D-Day? You know, and those that came in the second wave and the third wave and the fourth wave... All they see before them are dead bodies and and severely injured fellow soldiers that they got to walk over thinking that they're next. But they did the impossible. Winston Churchill, during the bombing of Britain, this is the prime minister of Great Britain, spent his days walking outside amongst the people of Britain during the bombing of Britain 
and London. He walked outside, leading by example. Well, there's been a lot of evil in the name of government. I mentioned a lot of it. Communism, fascism, Nazism, Imperial Japan. I could keep going. Now you look at the mullahs in Iran that chant death to America and, you know, an ideology like ISIS or Al-Qaeda or the Iranians. They have fomented terror. They have fought proxy wars. Well, then they got an extra $150 billion thanks to the, o- the Biden-Obama administration as they loosen their economic sanctions, which were beginning to work, and they drop $150 billion in cash and other currencies, cargo planes on the tarmac in front of the people that want to kill us and destroy us and, you know, have a convert-or-die ideology, a sick, twisted ideology. You know, just pick your poison of evil because that's what they did. And what did what did we get in exchange? We got a government in Iran making an unverifiable promise not to build a nuke for a few years, but they can build one in 10. It's, it's I, I cannot believe the utter stupidity and weakness of the left when it comes to dealing with evil. It's not any different than Bill Clinton. I'm done. You know, this is a good deal for the American people. You know, bribing Kim Jong Un's father, Kim Jong Il. Well, we were told that they weren't going to get nukes either. You have this radical extremist government. Now, the only one for a while until Trump got on the scene was that had the moral clarity, and I say a Churchillian figure has been Prime Minister Netanyahu because that's the reality. Because they've been the target of this. And out of pure necessity and self-preservation, they have overcome and defeated the odds, this tiniest of countries. It's amazing what they have done. Well, now the prime minister who, I, who needs to get reelected, God help us if he's not, especially now. You know, now he has a partner who actually did what so many other candidates, presidents said they would do and never did. Move the capital to Jerusalem instead of Tel Aviv. Recognize Golan as rightly Israeli territory. The radical Islamic extremist government, theocracy, Iran. They've been funding terrorism thanks to Biden, Obama money all over the world. They killed Americans in Iraq. They chant death to Israel, death to America. They continue to be a hostile actor in the region. They seek Iranian hegemony and they're using Obama Biden money to foment a lot of this. And the president gets in office and thankfully things change. He pulled out of the, 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 the dumbest deal. It's almost as dumb as peace in our time. The dumbest appeasement policies ever. Iran is now feeling the effects of the Trump Reimposed devastating sanctions. 2018, their economy retracted a whopping 4%. This year, the IMF is predicting Iran will lose another 6%. Their young population is getting restless and they want change. Inflation will likely top 40% this year alone. Now, our economy is booming. Presidents unleashed, you know, the Straits of Hormuz are less important than ever. Because we're now energy independent. We're a net exporter of energy. That's 
you know, remember, these countries hate us that we've been getting energy from. Manipulating us, getting rich off us. Well, now we can let the American people get rich off the natural resources that we have in great abundance. More than anybody else, natural gas, oil, coal. We have the leverage. The Iranian economy is suffering. The Iranian people are growing restless, frustrated. Iran's armed forces, they can't match the might of America's military. Now, I'm with Trump. I don't want a foreign entanglement ever again. Because you know these idiots in Washington, you know what they're going to do. They're going to politicize the war in 10 seconds after how many people may die. No, I think America's number one priority now that we are energy independent, the next thing we ought to be doing is developing the next generation of military weaponry that is so advanced that we can fight and win wars from Tampa, Florida, or wherever else we decide to put them, the facilities. And one day, we're going to probably have to take out their facilities. You know, I saw that, you know, Obama's Iranian scam artist, Ben Rhodes, he's, he's gloating over this. He, he once bragged about how easy it was for him to calm the entire media into helping him sell the Iranian deal. He's now gloating that he failed and emboldened these mullahs and caused a lot of this. Oh, and then you got uh, Congresswoman Omar blaming America for provoking a war with Iran. Okay. That's just, you know, that's, that's priceless. Uh, on deep state stuff, you got, let's see, I see. Oh, Andrew Weissman. Oh, he's writing a book. Mm-hmm. I think we need a book on him. Peter Strzok is shopping a book deal. Amazing. Well, I think we need a book on all of them. By the way, Biden's issues of race are now becoming really big problem. On the defensive, after not only the segregation gap, but his history... Oh, yeah, speaking at Strom Thurmond's funeral and the former Klansman, Robert KKK Byrd's funeral. You know, my slave, my state's a slave state. Uh, you can't go to a Dunkin' Donuts or a 7-Eleven unless you have a slight Indian accent. You know, this is storybook, man. For the first time, you have an African-American that's neat, clean, and articulate. Storybook. And, of course, he was against integration. And, of course, he took, uh, you know, he's changed every policy he's had. But I think one of the dumbest things these people ever did was this Iranian deal. The president will clean it up. He's not going to get into a foreign entanglement. We don't need to. But we better wise up. If we're going to politicize war and we're going to send kids to, to fight, bleed, and die... And lose our nat, 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 national treasure to say never mind every time? No. Build the next generation of the most sophisticated, deadly, most powerful weaponry. And when need be, blow them to smithereens. I'd rather they die than we die. I said it there. Okay? I prefer those that want convert or die to die rather than we die. And I prefer we go right to where the location of the mullahs are, take them out at the top, and then we can move from there. The Ayatollah's to blame. We didn't sink anybody's ships. We didn't blow up any pipelines. Uh, we didn't go in and dismember Yemen. Uh, we're not supporting, we're not the largest state sponsor of terrorism. So what are they trying to achieve? 
They're trying to bring Trump back to the negotiating table through intimidation. They're trying to divide us into Europeans. They're trying to drive up the price of oil because they need money. So getting out of the nuclear deal was a good decision because it was a bad deal. To get Trump back to the negotiating table, they're trying to use hostile acts as the means to do that. If they're successful, that becomes the template for other outlaw regimes and terrorist organizations. So the Iranians have made a miscalculation only if Trump responds in a way to deter this kind of effort to restart negotiations. That would be a provocative act toward the United States and Israel, and all bets are off, and put in place the military capability to go after their naval forces and their refineries, because their refineries are the economic uh, backbone of this murderous regime, and do not be intimidated by provocative acts uh, to get to the negotiating table. If we give in here to intimidation and you know, outrageous conduct, then North Korea will do the same and on and on. Uh, this drone was in international waters. Clearly, we have it all documented. It's documented scientifically, not just words. And they made a very bad mistake. How okay? Respond? You'll find out. You'll find out. You'll find out. I mean, obviously, 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 you know, we're not going to be talking too much about it. You're going to find out. They made a very big mistake. And I think probably Iran made a mistake. I would imagine it was a general or somebody that made a mistake in shooting that drone down. And fortunately, that drone was unarmed. It was not, there was no man in it. And there was no, it was just... It was over international waters, clearly over international waters, but we didn't have a man or woman in the drone. We had nobody in the drone. Are you still open? It would have made a big difference, let me tell you. It would have made a big, big difference. But uh, I have a feeling, I may be wrong, and I may be right, but I'm right a lot. I have a feeling that it was a mistake made by somebody that shouldn't have been doing what they did. Who do you think did? I think they made a mistake. And I'm not just talking to the country made a mistake. I think that somebody under the command of that country made a big mistake. Are you still and you're talking about Iran's leadership. Let's just see what happens. You just let's see what happens. It's all going to work out. So you're saying it wasn't intentional to I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe it was intentional, if you want to know the truth. I think that it could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. But we'll be able to report back, and you'll understand exactly what happened. But it was a very foolish move. That I can tell you. That I can tell you. Anyway, glad you're with us as we continue Hour 2 this Friday. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Look, there's some basic, simple fundamental truths in life if you're radical islamic mullahs and your economy is contracting because the new president is not kissing your behind like the old president and vice president the new president's not dumping 150 billion in cash and other currency on your tarmac and all of a sudden you know america's energy independent and the straits are hormuz have never been less important to us than they are now because everything always gets back to the lifeblood of every economy, which is oil and gas. 
We may want to tell that to some of these new Green Deal Democrats that don't get it, that would like to eliminate it in 10 years. Um, But it's very clear that the president is taking his time. He's thinking through it. He's going to be thoughtful. What's interesting to me about it now, very consistent with what the president said while running for office, he does not want to get engaged in foreign entanglements. But with that said, you don't get to take an American drone and shoot it out of the sky and parade it around on Iranian TV and think that that's going to fly. Now, what I believe we have to ultimately do is what I was talking about in the last hour. We need to modernize America's military to the point where we build the most sophisticated, the best, the most technologically advanced military equipment where we're not going to have to send kids boots on the ground so that these idiots in Washington who send them, you know, a year later, two years later, are going to say, oops, never mind. And that in the current political climate we live in, that is almost inevitable. I don't think it could not happen at this point. Anyway, Dan Hoffman is with us, Fox News contributor, 30-year CIA ops officer, and former CIA officer Dan Gabriel, director and executive uh, producer of Mosul. And Dan specialized in countering terrorism, violent extremism, and directing counterinsurgency operations. Um, and by the way, developed and benchmarked counter radicalization theories and methodology in the Islamic world. Uh, these are two of the most experienced people that you'll ever meet. And uh, thank you both for uh, being with us. Thank you. Sean, thanks for having me. You know, Dan, I've known you a long time. You know, we, and by the way, if you hang out with Dan Hoffman, I just want you to know you're going to end up walking away after 15 minutes so paranoid because he thinks everything's <laughs> bugged. Now, we, we, now, we're together in Singapore, and my room is getting swept every day, and you're like, of course there's bugs in there. I'm like, great. Can we at least take the one out of the shower? And uh, you laughed, but... The level of sophistication in terms of spying today is beyond most people's comprehension, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You talked about technology to enable us to develop the most advanced military weapons. We also use a lot of technology uh, in our espionage as well, in tracking people using technology. So, yeah, you, you were probably being watched in the shower, Sean. As, as, as harsh as that is for all of us to, to imagine, uh, it was probably true. That really is so comforting to know because what even though we swept the room every day, you're saying they still got it. Well, uh, in Singapore and, and Hanoi as well, we were certainly of great interest to the enemy. That would be China, first and foremost, because of the work that we were doing there, tracking the summit, uh, and frankly, your uh, ability to track what's going on in this administration, that would have been an interest of interest to uh to the Chinese, and it's why they probably turned their attention to you and, and the rest of us, me for sure, based on my background. So the question is, assuming that they're accumulating all this intelligence, why did he never read about it? Why did they never release it? Well, they use it to inform their leaders, uh, and specifically Xi Jinping, so he can make uh, educated decisions about how to deal with uh, China's main enemy, the United States. You know, what scares them is very similar to what scares Russia. It's democracy. We've seen from the protests in Hong Kong last week, uh, that's really the threat that, 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 poses, that is posed to China right now. And there's no question that all of 
China's opponents derive inspiration from the United States, from our Constitution and Bill of Rights, from liberty and freedom and democracy we enjoy in this country. Yeah. Let me go to Dan Gabriel. Uh, Dan, uh, you spent how many years in countering terrorism, working in the CIA, violent extremism, directing counterinsurgency operations? I mean, both of you have such incredible life experiences, and and both of you are real patriots, and I thank you for all your service. Um, I don't know you as well as I know Dan Hoffman. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, Sean, uh, sure. So I was in Mosul 2004 to 2005, which is actually what uh, part of what inspired me to, to make my film, uh, Mosul, which just came out. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that we saw in 2014, we're actually five years away from the anniversary of the fall of Mosul to ISIS. Uh, so I think for me, and, and certainly for Dan, and a lot of vets uh, that were there and spent time and bloodshed and lost friends there, uh, to see that happen was, uh, you know, it, it raised the question of what was it all for? Uh, and I think luckily what we saw between October 2016 and July 2017, which we captured in the film, was the Iraqi forces coming together, the different groups within their, you know, within their community uh, uniting, at least for the time being. All right, so now I, I, I know that there's, there, there are people, well, oh, no, Donald Trump's going to, you know, it's got to be proportional. Whatever the response is, it's got to be proportional. Uh, I'm very clear in my mind that you can't shoot out an American drone over international waters. I was shocked, Dan Hoffman, last night, Geraldo saying, after having met with, I guess, the, the Iranian ambassador yesterday, that, well, they have a very different story to tell, and we need to listen to it. I don't, I don't believe a single word that comes out of the mouth of, of any of these leaders in Iran they have killed Americans in Iraq. They have been fomenting terror in the region forever. Uh, on top of that, we know that they've been fighting a zillion proxy wars, especially funding radical extremist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah to go after Israel. They chant death to America, death to Israel. We know where they're coming from. The real red line in the sand is never allowing them to get nuclear weapons, because if you do and you marry that to their extremism, uh, that could be a modern-day Holocaust, from my thinking. Yeah, so what what Geraldo heard was exactly what the Iranians want us to hear. It's their propaganda message. We know that that's not even close to the truth. It's just the same you hear from China and from Russia, those autocratic regimes that don't have a free press to counter all the lies of the government. Uh, I think for us, you know, going forward, there's a couple of things we need to be thinking about. First, look for a diplomatic push on the part of the United States. Europe has been holding to this idea that the nuclear deal is a good one. I think they should be opening their eyes now and realizing that Iran is a malign actor uh, and that they need to side with us to enforce those sanctions rather than uh, seeking to support Iran uh, and seeking to support the, the nuclear deal that we rightly walked out of. Uh, and secondly, you make the right point, Sean, about we need to make Iran pay some consequences for mining tankers in the Gulf and shooting down our drone. The response needs to be proportional because, look, we don't want an all-out war uh, with Iran. That wouldn't serve our interests at all. Uh, but at the same time, we do need to make them pay some consequences. And I think uh, that'll be something that's discussed in the coming days. The, the last point is we really need bilateral consensus. If there was ever a time for Democrats and Republicans to get together and agree on something, this is it. You know, we really need both parties to come together. Maybe they can't figure out health health care or immigration reform, but, but this one 
we really need it, and uh, I think we've, we've seen some of it, but I'd like to see some more. All right, got to take a, a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll continue more with Dan Hoffman and Dan Gabriel. All right, as we continue, Dan Hoffman, Fox News contributor, 30 years CIA ops officer and former CIA officer Dan Gabriel, uh, director and executive producer, by the way. We'll put a link up on Hannity.com to Mosul. Uh, Dan specializing in counterterrorism, violent extremism, and directing counterinsurgency operations. So if you're the mullahs, you make a calculated decision. You're going to knock out two tankers in the Gulf of Oman. You're going to start to tighten up the grip of the free flow of oil in the Straits of Hormuz. And then you're going to take an American drone out with a missile over international waters. Now, a lot of it, I believe, is due to the sanctions that the president has effectively put on Iran. Uh, they're clearly promoting something that they shouldn't. Where does this go, Dan Hoffman? Well, listen, the, the sanctions have crippled Iran's economy. Their currency is worth nothing. And the Iranians are trying to induce us and the Europeans with nuclear blackmail and by escalating these kinetic attacks in the Persian Gulf to come back to the negotiating table, but on their terms. They want the the, the flawed nuclear deal that was signed in 2015 by the Obama administration to be agreed upon again. And we're just not going to do that. It, the sunset clauses, the fact that it doesn't deal with Iran as a state sponsor of terrorism and the Iran's ballistic missile program make that impossible. And I would also encourage listeners to go back and take a look at what Secretary Pompeo said in May of 2018 about the 12 requirements for Iran to get back into the negotiation process. It wasn't just about the things I mentioned. It's also about getting out of Syria. It's about allowing IEA inspectors into Iran. There's a whole host of things that I think were, were very well thought out that, at that point by Secretary Pompeo. And, and we're holding the line, and there's going to be some friction here uh, as we do so. But we need to continue to, to do it, and there's really no other option. All right, Dan, uh, Gabriel, your thoughts. Uh, Sean, there's no doubt the Mullahs are playing brinksmanship. And I think one, one of the things that the president said over and over this morning was very interesting and actually very smart. Uh, what he said was Iran has made a mistake. And what that is, is, is that's him allowing them to kind of reset and come back to the table. It's, it's actually uh, quite smart uh, bargaining power. It's the same thing we saw Kennedy do in the, uh, in the Cuban Missile Crisis. So that, that really sets the, uh, resets the table, if you will, uh, for them to now think about what it is that they want, because clearly they, they came very close to having uh, some airstrikes uh, over the evening. Yeah, he's been, he's listen, here? he's been very, very smart. I love how unpredictable he is. And I think the red line in the sand for all of us is they can never have nuclear weapons because then you're talking about a potential Holocaust in our lifetime. But uh, thank you both. You're both American heroes. Dan Hoffman, thank you. Dan Gabriel, good luck with your uh, new production, Mosul. When we come back, Governor Mike Huckabee stops by. We'll talk about this and so much more as we continue. Busy breaking news Friday. It's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, happy Friday, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, my interview with the president uh, coming up at the top of the next hour. And, of course, it's Friday, our concert series, and a lot of your calls coming up, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders shows up at the president's announcement that he's running for a second term down in Orlando this week and gets a rock star welcome and, well, here are some of the comments that she had made earlier about her leaving as the press secretary for the president. 
But a woman who's a special woman and right, and her father, by the way, he's out there fighting for us all the time. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, this has been truly the honor of a lifetime, uh, one of the most incredible experiences anybody could ever imagine. And that's because I've had the chance to be on the front row of history and watch you drastically change our country for the better. You've made America great. You're going to continue to make America great. I couldn't be prouder to be part of your team. I'm going to go spend a little time with my kids. But no one will be a stronger voice and a more fierce advocate for this president because he's fighting for all of the people in this room and for all of the people that you represent all over the country. And he's going to have an incredible six more years to make our country as strong as it's ever been. Thank you so much, Mr. I'll try not to get emotional um, because I know that crying can make us look weak sometimes, right? <laughs> uh, this has been the honor of a lifetime, the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, I couldn't be prouder to have had the opportunity to serve my country and particularly to work for this president. Uh, he has accomplished so much in these two and a half years and it's truly been uh, something I will treasure forever. Um, it's one of the greatest jobs I could ever have. I've loved every minute, even the hard minutes. Uh, I have loved it. I love the president. I love the team that I've had the opportunity to work for. The president is surrounded by some of the most incredible and most talented people you could ever imagine. And uh, it's truly the most special experience. Uh, the only one I can think of that might top it just a little bit is uh, the fact that I'm a mom. I have three amazing kids and uh, I'm gonna spend a little more time with them. And in the, in the meantime, I'm gonna continue to uh, be one of the most uh, outspoken and loyal supporters of the president and his agenda. And I know he's gonna have an incredible six more years and get a whole lot more done, like what we're here to celebrate today. And uh, I don't wanna take away from that. So I certainly wanna get back to the tremendous thing that the people behind me have done. And thank you so much, Mr. President. It's truly an honor. All right, joining, him, joining us now is somebody who I think is very fond. I'm just guessing of uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders because, well, it happens to be his daughter. And I've gotten to know Governor Mike Huckabee's daughter really, really well. And she is everything you think she is. Warm, funny, tough, hardworking, committed, principled. And I hope one day, Governor, and maybe I'm overstepping my skis here a little bit, uh, I hope she becomes the governor of Arkansas and follows in your footsteps because I think she'd be elected in a landslide. Yeah, I think her elections would be way bigger than mine ever were in Arkansas. No, they wouldn't even. No, no, we, they wouldn't be close. I mean, that's that's a given. We know uh, that. But you got to remember, when I was getting started at Arkansas politics, Democrats. You're making excuses for her doing better. <laughs> yeah, you know, and now uh, Republicans dominate the state, so. She's got a much better path. But you know what? If I had had the kind of accolades and the response that she got the other night in Orlando, Amazing. I'd be president. 
for having sex. It was wonderful, and uh, she she deserved it. I think she needed it. It was a great affirmation for her. And, you know, my heartfelt thanks just dad to dad to mm-hmm. the president. As one dad speaking to another, it, it meant a lot to me to see how warmly he has not just treated her then, but let me tell you, for all the people who talk about Donald Trump and the way he treats people, he has treated my daughter with nothing but respect, with kindness, with uh, appreciation, and I could not be more grateful than I am to the president for the manner in which he has uh, just given my daughter the chance of a lifetime and then treated her with the kind of respect that every father hopes his daughter will receive. Well, I think she earned the respect. Um, I think she's an incredible person. I've gotten to know her very, very well. Um, I think you have every reason to be the proud dad that you are. It is a brutal job at this time. You know, and I did... Look, I, I kind of mostly sort of kind of gave up my Twitter fighting. I have recently had to engage this idiot over at uh, Fake News CNN because he's now stalking my staff because he's on the lowest rated cable network. They don't they, 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 don't, they don't even break a million viewers in any hour of the day. And, you know, we, we had over five plus million the other night and four million the next night. And he's begging to be on 16, uh, 618 of the best radio stations in the country. And my answer is simple. I am not going to abuse the trust that the my audience has put in me to put on a guy we know is part of the fake news industrial complex that peddles conspiracy theories and lies and I'm just, I'm not going to subject them to that. So then he said, well, you're not strong enough to meet me in the schoolyard. I said, I'm free the oh, week of the God. fourth. Tell me, <laughs> tell me where you want me to go. I'll be there. You know what, Sean? You realize that, uh, I know why you're not putting him on. You're afraid he's going to grab the microphone and not let go. He's no, yeah, yeah but listen, this would be the biggest moment of his career. I get that part. <laughs> um, but He'd be talking to more people than he will talk to in no, the rest I, of his So then he goes, you're not tough enough to meet me in the schoolyard. I said, I'll meet you in the oh. schoolyard. I said, I do that have conditions, though. I said, alone, and as long as it has nothing to do with your failed book, your failed network, and, you know, everything else that you failed at and, and, and or any of the lies you've told for two plus years. Um, and the, the problem is, is that, you know, well, Mark Levin has been on my show four weeks in a row, radio and TV, but not that he doesn't need my help. But I mean, Mark Levin in four weeks has sold hundreds of thousands of books on freedom of the press. So he tweets out that I guess he got on the New York Times bestseller list in the double digits somewhere. I know books that you know, a number of 12 on the New York Times list that sell a thousand copies. So I looked it up. He sold a little over 6,500 books. Governor, you've, you know, Mark Levin week six sold almost 40,000 books. His book is yeah. an epic failure. And uh, the reason is, is people understand where he's coming from. But this is the crap that your daughter's had to deal with. And, and I don't know how you could stand it as a father. I'd go nuts. Well, one of the things I had to deal with was just watching when uh, Sarah would walk in there and realize that people like Jim Acosta and April Ryan and Brian Karam were going to be disrespectful, and they were going to showboat. They were going to try to make it about themselves rather than about the news. Uh, but one thing I came to learn quickly was when people say, does it make you nervous when your daughter walks in that room? And I would say, yeah, but not for her. I'm nervous for guys like Acosta who are about to get their rear ends handed to them, and they don't realize it. 
<laughs> Remember when they even questioned whether or not your daughter makes pies at home? Turns oh. out, apparently, they're the best <laughs> pies ever. Then she makes them, and they say, well, where did you buy them? I'm like, wow. Yeah, and, and then they refused to eat them because they thought she had done a, uh, a kind of a recreation of that scene from The Help, the movie where they made the pies. With, well, let's just say uh, it was not exactly chocolate. So, you know, it, it, she would never have said that, by the way. I might have, but she wouldn't have. Um, I just find it interesting that the people mostly in that room are are solid professionals, and Sarah will be the first to tell you. But generally, the press corps in that room treat her with respect. Uh, they have a strong personal and professional relationship. But there are just a handful of people who so have tried to make it uh, an opportunity for them to get uh, really some camera time. And when people say, you know, well, they haven't had a lot of press briefings, Sarah works with the press every day, but the president himself is talking to the press. And, and by the way, he, he, it's almost every day. Yeah. I got to take a, a quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue more with Governor Mike Huckabee's 800 941 Sean toll free telephone number. Let me ask you about the president's handling of this Iranian situation. Um, the one thing that Donald Trump was very clear about is he does not want a foreign entanglement and i'll i'll be honest governor my my mind has changed a lot of ways after watching vietnam we send these kids over we lose fifty-eight thousand kids our our national treasure our government asked them to fight and uh, never mind it gets politicized in dc iraq afghanistan same thing and i'm like all right we really need to reevaluate uh, if America's going to go to war, my attitude is we need the next generation of weaponry where we're not going to send kids into Iraq, in some cases with no up-armored Humvees, going door-to-door -door when the Iraqis ought to be doing it, and with no commitment to win the war or defining what winning is. And I'd like to see the next generation of warfare with the latest technology built that we don't have to send kids into these foreign countries and entanglements and and we'll fight these wars from tampa florida well i think you've made a great point sean and and the biggest issue and i think the president's right to to look at it this way uh it, it's not do we have the military capability to render a successful and a striking blow to iran of course we do the question is what happens next do we end up in another Afghanistan? 18 years later, we're still seeing Americans come home in flag-draped coffins. This is a president who, when he ran, said he was not going to just get us into a bunch of wars. He was going to get us out of them. And I think he's, he's being very careful to balance the role of taking out our enemies when they need to be, but at the same time, not just embroiling us in something that billions and trillions of dollars later and thousands of American lives, we don't have any real resolution. So uh, what we're doing with the sanctions, that's a good thing, and no Americans are dying from that. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that he exercised something that the press never gives him any credit for, and that's restraint. And he did it last night. And whether people like it or not, he showed that he is not just a guy trigger happy, ready to go out and use all the power. Now, the with US that said, I don't think the Iranians get away with shooting a drone uh, out of the air in international waters. I don't think they should get away with, you know, blowing up two oil tankers and controlling the Straits of Hormuz. 
Uh, and I think eventually, I think now they're on notice, and there's got to be a proportional response. By the way, I'm, my definition of proportion is very different than other people. It's you hit me, I'm going to hit you back 10, 20 times harder. Well, that's what the president has basically done through his whole life, and I think people get that. Um, I, I think there will be a response, and it probably will involve some type of military response. But I think he will be also very careful to do two things. One is to make sure that it is measured and proportional to the uh, offense that we feel. And the second thing is that we will have a clear understanding with both our allies as well as the allies of Iran as to what the limitations have to be in terms of their response. Well, I think the Trump doctrine has got to be we can never, ever allow ever these radical extremists, these mullahs in Iran that think they're doing God's will, killing everybody that doesn't agree with them uh, to ever have nuclear capability, because then we're looking potentially and maybe even likely at a modern day Holocaust. Well, and one thing we have to do is to take them seriously when they say they want to wipe Israel off the face of the map, and then they want to come after us. These are radical zealots who have never kept a promise, but have always tried to fulfill their threats. And we cannot take that lightly. I couldn't agree more. All right, Governor Huckabee, thanks for uh, being with us. We know how proud you are of your daughter. And uh, my vote is she runs for governor in, I think, 22 and if she yeah, runs, she'll win. When does it come up? Uh, 2022. So, it's, yeah. uh, you know, she's got time to think about it. But wouldn't it be kind of cool that she goes back to the governor's mansion she grew up in? Yeah, I think it'd be very cool. The place. And she gets more <laughs> votes than her dad ever dreamed of. I think it's even that's yeah, even cooler. That in. Go ahead and rub that in. <laughs> All right, Governor, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. News Roundup, Information Overload, my interview with President Trump coming up, and your calls straight ahead. Coming up next, our final News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Clearly a lot's going on. I think the president is just taking his sweet time and letting the world know that this is going to be on his timetable. And, you know, remember, one of the reasons we are here is because the president was very clear with Iran. No, the years of Biden, Obama are over. We're not dropping cash to the tune of 150 billion on your tarmacs after you threaten to wipe Israel off the map, wipe the United States off the map, burn our flags and chant death to America. Not going to happen. And so the president, through sanctions now, and of course the added defense of energy independence, well, now we are in the driver's seat in terms of what the response will be, when the response will happen, and, you know, what will the Trump doctrine end up looking like as it relates to Iran? Certainly it is. You will never get nuclear weapons. Um, anyway, so I interviewed the president this week. And um, after his big announcement in Orlando, we talked about this and other subjects. And a lot of you have been asking, you know, for that interview on radio or you missed it. Uh, here are some of the highlights of President Trump on with me this past week. Well, the media is not talking about Russia so much. You know, the Mueller report concluded that on Russia there was absolutely no collusion. And frankly, they led to the conclusion by our great attorney general that there was no obstruction. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. It's a hoax. It was a hoax, a witch hunt, but a hoax. The whole thing. 
Uh, Greg Jarrett said it very well when he named his book The Russian Hoax. And uh, it, it is disgraceful that they're allowed. And they're very upset now because it didn't turn out like they thought, because we did. We had 18 angry Democrats that hated Trump, and many of them contributed to Hillary's campaign. And it came out there was no collusion. So they don't. I don't hear Russia much anymore. You know, they've given up on that one. Uh, but... Uh, you know, they uh, they did something that is a disgrace. I, I will also say if the other side had won, if Hillary won, uh, you would have, instead of being up almost 50 percent since election, five million jobs plus plus five million jobs. That's unthinkable. If I would have said that we're going to create five million jobs in two and a half years, people would have said how ridiculous I would have been uh, skewered by the press. Uh, all of the things that have been uh, done, that we've done, nobody's seen it. Uh, we have the best and lowest unemployment rate for African-Americans, for Asians, for Hispanics. Uh, nobody's ever seen numbers like this. We have the, the best numbers on living standard for African-Americans, the best numbers that we've ever had in history. Uh, so many things are, I mean, just one thing after another. If the other side would have won, we would have gone into a depression. And we were headed that way. We were headed that way. The rules, regulations, we cut more regulations than any president. And unmeaningful regulation. We want regulation, but it's got to be meaningful. Uh, it stymied our country, Sean. We weren't able to do anything. Jobs numbers would have been a disaster. Instead, we have more people working today almost 160 million people that have ever worked in the history of our country. Think of that. That's a great number. So it's really you know, been something. The other side, you would have had, I really believe you would have had a crash. Well, we're now number one in the world in energy. It used to be Saudi Arabia, then Russia. Uh, it's now we're number one. And soon, as soon as I get the pipelines in Texas approved, which I'll do pretty quickly, it would have taken 10, 15 years I'm going to have it done very quickly. We could increase our production by 30 and 40 percent in terms of sale. So it's, uh, you know, what, what we've done in the last two and a half years has been great. We've had a lot of great people and they've worked hard. But the, the great people are the people of the country. They were, they were being strangled. You look at what we've done, just energy all, energy all over, all types of energy. LNG now is we're the hottest in the world. There's nobody even close. So it's been an honor. It's been an honor. We freed it up. But you would have had, I really believe you would have had a depression or very close had the That's other a, side won. And my question to you is there really was some collusion, wasn't there? There was Russian interference. We know that. But we also had a bought and paid for Russian dossier. And right. we didn't look into that in the whole two plus years of Mueller. The media's ignored it. And even the New York Times suggesting that it was likely Russian misinformation from the get-go, the dossier. What are right. your thoughts about that? I think it's a disgrace. It's turned out to be totally discredited. Uh, Steele was sued by somebody, uh, I understand, a wealthy gentleman in, uh, in London. I hear that what was revealed was incredible, uh, just a total phony deal. And yet they didn't look into any of that. One of the things that amazes me, because it's so simple and, you know, it's, uh, it's when you get right down to it, the whole thing is very simple, what happened. The fact is they were spying on my campaign, using agencies to, uh, intelligence agencies to do it, going after 
Page and Papadopoulos and probably others. I'm trying to we're trying to find out whether or not they actually listened in on my calls. That'll be the uh, that would be the ultimate. We'll see what happens. I think if if that happened, we'll probably find out. We have a great attorney general who's working very hard and we'll see what happens. I stay uninvolved. I like to stay uninvolved. But a well, lot of things are going to come out. I mean, if they spied on my campaign, and they may have, it will be one of the great revelations revelations in in history of this country. And I will tell you, uh, going to be very interesting. I think we're going to find out. Can you imagine if it were the other way around and I spied on President Obama's campaign? Could you imagine what the repercussions would be? Or... I spied on Crooked Hillary's campaign. Can you imagine what the repercussions would be? Do you believe that there was a premeditated fraud committed against FISA court judges in these applications? Well, again, uh, people are looking into that. If you're asking just my opinion, I would say absolutely yes. It would seem to be yes. You know, when you get the struck page, the two lovers who uh, put right out on the public waves. I mean, they put the insurance policy. Well, we've been living through the insurance policy that she was going to win, but just in case she didn't win, we need an insurance policy. Well, that's to subvert government. What they did was unbelievable that they could do a thing like that. And they reported to McCabe, who I think is a terrible, terrible guy. And, you know, the FBI, you have some of the finest people in the world that you know that. We say it all the time. And I'll bet you if we took a vote, <laughs> I'd be so high in that poll, you wouldn't even believe it. They're great people. I know so many. But uh, the top people were terrible. They were leakers. They were liars. I mean, look at the leaking and look at the lying. Comey admitted he leaked. Think of it. The top of the FBI, he leaked. And when you look at what went on, Sean, it's disgusting. But the whole concept of they want an insurance policy just in case she loses. The House committee, which I understand today was in a very uh, closed, confidential meeting with the wonderful Hope Hicks. She's a wonderful person. She's been through hell. They put this young woman through hell. What she's had to pay for legal fees and everything else. I hear they were taking pictures of her, congressmen, two congressmen in particular that I see on television all the time. I won't mention their names. We don't want to make them any more famous. But two congressmen. But they were taking pictures of her oh, with their grief. cell phone and then leaking the pictures of her testifying. And this was in a closed room. Uh, look, it's out of control. These people are, are absolutely, you know, they use, they use the word, it's a good word, I guess, unhinged. What's happened to the Democrats, and in the meantime, they're not doing any work in Congress. We could do legislation to lower drug prices very substantially, easily. We could do maybe almost like the thing we need the most quickly is border security. We've done an incredible job, but I have to do it myself. I can't get any, we can't get any votes from the Democrats. We can't get well, any votes. And infrastructure, we could do it so easily. But they're so busy interviewing Hope Hicks and taking pictures of this incredible young woman and putting the pictures out to the press of her testifying. And they're not allowed to do that. It's probably illegal. It's a terrible thing going on, John. But I have wanted you to declassify the 302s, declassify uh, all this information, the FISA applications, declassify the Gang of Eight, declassify exculpatory information. You have done so, but you gave it to the Attorney General. Why? 
Yes. Because I think that he is uh, a very honorable gentleman who wants to do the right thing. And he is allowed to, under my agreement, he's allowed to give it out to whoever he wants. But I think it's really, you know, maybe some of this you need to have for purposes of other countries. Because I think other countries were involved. I think they perhaps, just based on what I'm seeing, they used other countries because they didn't want to get caught doing what they were doing in this country. You know that very well. I, I didn't speak to Russia. Russia has, when I was winning in Wisconsin, when I was winning in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Florida and all of these states, North Carolina, uh, the last person or group I ever thought of calling would be Russia. It's a hoax. It's a terrible hoax, and it should never happen to another president again because many of them would not be able to handle it. I don't care who they are. Many of them would not be able to handle it. Do you think Joe Biden could handle it? I mean, Joe Biden right now, he looks like he's got some big problems. But do you think, can you imagine if this happened to Joe Biden? It wouldn't be good. But it should never happen to another president what happened to me. And it should never happen. Nobody should ever allow this to go forward again. And people have to learn. There has to be a lesson taught. There has to be a lesson taught. Should never be allowed. So bad for our country. But, you know, Bob Mueller was conflicted because he wanted to be the head of the FBI, the director. Again, he was already there for 10 or 12 years. But he wanted to be, and I, I didn't allow that. I said no. I said it respectfully. Uh, we had a business dispute in the private life. When he was out of the FBI, we had a commercial business dispute. I had a bit, how about having a business dispute with somebody? Think of this. And then he's supposed to be ruling on you. Uh, but uh, it was a business dispute, and it was a nasty little dispute. You know, not the biggest one I've ever been in, to be honest with you, but we had a real business dispute. So you look at that, that's a total conflict of interest. How can somebody where you have a dispute be ruling? And his best friend, or very close to it, is Comey. And Comey played a big part in this, because McCabe didn't do anything without Comey. McCabe was totally dominated by Comey. He did nothing. Andrew McCabe was a bad guy. But Andrew McCabe did nothing without calling Comey. Uh, he wouldn't, uh, there's an expression, he wouldn't go to the bathroom without getting Comey's approval. And so Comey's in. And Brennan, you take a look at Brennan, you talk over the horrible rhetoric, the horrible uh, the horrible words he used. He accused you of treason, to describe sir. It. And then he said, well, I guess I was misinformed. You know, he was making all these predictions. And then when the, it said no collusion in the Mueller report, which is amazing because they had 18 people that that were Hillary Clinton people that I, I think all of them actually were anti-Trump people in one form or another. Mr. President, just as an aside, you did have a constitutional authority under Article 2 with a conflict to fire Mueller who would have been replaced. And I would Absolutely add one thing. Right. It will be I had absolutely it will be Article 2 powers. I could have done anything I wanted. I don't even bring it up because we don't even get there. Absolutely, I have Article 2. We could have used that and said I wouldn't even have to bother talking to you about all of the other things. I wouldn't have to talk to you about conflicts. I could have fired Mueller for conflicts. I could have fired anybody. But I didn't want to do it because they said, let it play, play out. It's a hoax. It's a hoax. Uh, it's a disgrace. It? And that they're allowed to go forward with, you know, interviewing people, having people like Hope Hicks and others, having to pay for a new set of lawyers. Same question. They just went through it.
with the Mueller report. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. It is Friday. Linda, you you have been in the greatest mood all day. What Yippity happened? Yippity-doo-dah, baby. You've been in a zippity-doo-dah day. What, what, what is going on? I just don't know, you know. I think this week just kicked the bejesus out of me, and I've just had it, man. I'm well, just but like, no, I'm it's, done. Uh, uh, when we get to this point every Friday, right, we, we all look at each other and say, man. I actually feel like this on Monday morning. It just keeps going the whole week. The whole week, I just the, the week just kicks the crap. You know, out nobody of me. understands this, but you know, one of the reasons I've said this before: we we don't leave our desks and go have a leisurely lunch. I mean, it's funny because there's what is the name of that restaurant next door? Don't mention it, but there's a restaurant next door to uh, our building. I call it the restaurant next door. The restaurant next door, and there's a deli next door to that, and not far away is a pizza parlor. Yeah, it's all there. The mystery. Right. But in New York, you can have everything delivered. I mean, you have Grubhub, you have Uber Eats. You know, you don't have to do anything in New York to get food. And by the way, you can get anything you want at 3 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning. They'll they'll deliver McDonald's at 4 a.m. in the morning. You know what I love about New York? What do you love about New York? Which you, I, I mean, I guess you could do. Is it, it other the same places. as Singapore? No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> I know the, I'm on my game. Go the ahead. Thing, the thing I love about what New do you York, love about New York? Because you hate walking with people because they walk too slow. Well, yeah, they do walk too slow. I had to tell somebody today. I was like, "Listen, you're walking four ply. Walk two ply. Two ply. Left, right. Left, right. Left, right. It's not hard. These people, they walk. The thing I hate the most is people who walk." In a row, right? Like they're walking like like a football team. They've got the entire football team stretched out. They're ready for the pass, but there's no football. There's no pass coming. You're just blocking everybody else. And then at the precise moment that the light turns green, you decide to stop. You just stop moving. You know, in New York, there is no stopping. You step to the side. Why should I have to walk around you? Because you have decided there is something on your phone that is so magical. You need to stop walking your six ply, four ply line. I just it makes me it infuriates me. Why do you get so angry over something so? I, stupid? I get angry over a lot of things. How much time do you have? Uh, yeah, but that's not the point. It's now time to put your party light on. That's right. You're better at this than me because I'm a loser. That's and, right. I dance by myself like nobody's watching. Oh my god, it's so embarrassing. We're at Redneck Riviera in Vegas, John Rich's bar. It's a cool bar. You know, John Rich appreciated my dancing. Okay, he did not. He didn't come up oh, to you. Oh, yes, he did. No, he was he on this radio not. show and admitted it. He, he didn't even see you. He was busy oh, singing with Big Kenny. He gave me a shout out from the stage. Him and Big Kenny, like, Linda, what, what? Okay, there's a big crowd, and this this is a, this is Listen, a when fun you got skills, rock and roll country bar. And if you served in the military, you go to the back bar, you get a free shot of whatever whiskey you want. Now it's usually Redneck Riviera whiskey, which is making money for charities. I think he's doing it with Folds of Honor. Yes, he is. And what's really cool about it, and by the way, I don't like whiskey. I just don't like it. I don't know. I don't like scotch. I don't like whiskey. I like to just mask any taste of alcohol. Just want the effects of it, but I don't want to, I just don't want to taste it. That should be our next invention. He, seriously, right? Like you guys sucking down the moonshine the other Listen, day with alcohol, Katie Hawkins and Rose Tennant. It was alcohol embarrassing. Alcohol that tastes like water is a dream. Uh, well, th- you have some wines that are like that. Not if you really. get the right wine. What wine tastes like water? You get expensive wine. I was, I once was at with Rush and Mark Levin was with us and there was a bottle of wine open. It wasn't mine. It wasn't Mark's. It was Rush's. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this has a great taste and it, it goes down like water. The best one I ever heard. Probably more than and the first, by the way, and the first bottle was had turned, right? 
So we're sitting at the table, and Levin goes, I don't know, I don't know if I should say. Now let me ask you a question. Do you get a refund on that? Oh my god. Yeah. How much does one of those cost anyway? I'm like, oh no, Mark, stop, stop. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, no, Rush didn't. Rush didn't miss a beat. He loved it. He was laughing out loud. And uh, I forgot what it was. It was pretty expensive though. And I said, wow, there really is a difference between that and the cheap stuff that I drink. Um, so I sort of like go in the middle now. But it's not the same as the really, really expensive stuff. Well, for those of our listeners who are not driving, I hope they're at home having a drink right now. And dance. You, listen, the only thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to get to our great callers here. You cannot, in a bar, dance by yourself. It's packed. Too late. And, I already did it. Okay. it's. I was embarrassed for you. I tried to go out and save you. I tried to go out and say, yeah, well, come on over. We're waiting over here. We're no, all you didn't. That's not what happened at all. You came over and you said, oh, my God, stop dancing by yourself. You're embarrassing everyone. I didn't like, say it loudly. All, I whispered it. Well, I whispered it to you. You did not whisper it. We were in a I loud said, bar. I didn't, oh, yeah. I, didn't, I went in a bar screaming. I don't know what. It's, That's the point of a you're, bar. You're, you right, can you're scream like fake news Acosta now. Seriously? Oh, low blow. Oh, did you see That's my. That's dirty. Did you see how, how bad this book did? It oh. goes down every day. That's why I don't even bother posting how bad it's doing. No, I, I know. In a week, but, it's going to be worse. Than and I offered to meet yet. him in the schoolyard as long as it doesn't have anything to do with promoting his failed career, his failed network, his fake news, and or his phony lying book. Yeah, I saw those tweets. Come on, you did laugh a little. I Get did. The, I laughed you a gotta lot. Try. You, that's old school Hannity Twitter, right? Yeah, that's when you take over and you don't consult me first, and then I no, see I don't. pop up in the timeline. I'm like, oh, and that usually geez. means there's a misspelling. There's no proper pronunciation. There's a curse word. Oh, it wasn't that bad. I mean, what listen, did I call I'm it? not judging Jory. I'm I called saying. it a shh e-book. Uh-huh. And it is. And I'm not going to sell it for him. By the way, nobody can sell that thing. You know, they, they, you would need an act of God above to sell that piece of garbage. I think he's reached out to family and friends. Yeah, but you know what? I wonder. I wonder how many, like, you know... How many when colleagues your mom were buys forced 10, to buy? Ten thousand copies. Your dad buys ten thousand copies. Well, here's the thing: cousin. Mark Levin's book's been number one on Freedom of the Press for four straight weeks on the New York Times list. So he writes, maybe Hannity needs to get his glasses fixed. I'm a New York Times bestseller. Said, okay, great. I'm looking at it, but there's something that actually counts: the real sales. It's called BookScan, and BookScan numbers give an accurate reflection. I know books that sold about a thousand that end up on the New York Times list, depending on, you know, what the season is and when you release your book. That doesn't mean anything. And, you know, he sold a little over 6,500 books. Mark Levin has sold hundreds of thousands. Mark's in week five and it's not even over. And he sold over, what, 35,000 books already. You know, it's unbelievable. This guy said, and Mark literally, I mean, literally sold hundreds of thousands of books. He sold his first week. I think he sold 150,000 books and and they're selling like hotcakes because it's a good book. All right, let's get to our busy phones. Uh, uh, let's say hi to Ron is in Arizona. Ron, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Great, Sean. Thank you. Uh, Arizona for 15 years, born and raised in San Francisco for 65. That's all you got to know. Wow. Got a got a got a question. So every day we're getting news. We're getting, you know, alert news alerts here. Something fabulous is going to happen. We got Nunes is on and Jordan is on and we got this stuff happening. When do we get a win? It's been two and a half years 
Watergate didn't take this long. Well, the problem that, you know, remember how hard it's been to get to the documents that we needed to get to. Um, and remember, you know, we're I I said it, I, I nailed it the first day. I knew that we were taking on a really big onion and it was going to be one layer at a time. And it takes a lot of perseverance, trust me, to, to do this. But then then we'd get pieces of the puzzle. We'd get the, oh, the, the struck page text. But last night, thanks to Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch, we got more of them. And, okay. you know, then we've got that the dossier was bought and paid for by Hillary. Okay, that's another piece of the puzzle. Then we get some closed-door testimony, and then we find out that everybody was warned about FISA at, in August of 2016 by Bruce Orr under closed-door testimony. We didn't get it till recently, so that's another piece of the puzzle. Then John Solomon breaks a story that Kathleen Kavlek also warned the upper echelon of the FBI about these things. Then we start getting information about Okay, who spread the phony dossier information to the press? Uh, well, turns out to be top-ranking intel officials. Okay, now how were they able to do a lot of this work? Well, things are really pointing in the direction that they outsourced what would be illegal in this country to circumvent U.S. law to some of our allied nations to do the, to the illegal intelligence gathering for them against Americans. That's going to be a big part of this. Uh, then you have the whole rigged investigation into Hillary. That was we kind of found that out early on. But now to get the investigation going, um, look, J let's be honest. I mean, Jeff Sessions, God bless him. I like him. I always liked him. Didn't do anything. Uh, Horowitz's report, I think, is complete. We're going to hear in a week or two why it's being delayed. I believe that Durham interviewing Christopher Steele is a big part of that. And also that they have. In the course of their investigation, they found other things. Then we have the abuse of power, uh, surveillance, unmasking, and intel and raw intel leaking. Um, all of it now is coming to a head. As look, the attorney general was clear: it's over. Mueller's over. You know, it doesn't matter what Nadler. By the way, what a jerk! What a jackass he was to Hope Picks. You see what he did to, to Hope Picks yesterday? Oh, Miss Lewandowski. I'm like, really, you jackass? And then he did it again. And good for her. She goes, no, my name is Hope Hicks. My name is Miss Hicks to you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was distracted. Uh, what? He has to be rude? And then they're asking all these weird questions about her personal life. What does that have to do with anything Russia related? These people are really twisted. Well, and can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Can't right, you go, we, in other words, so here we go with Nadler and this and that. Why doesn't somebody, Nunes, especially Jordan, you know, we hear from Nadler every single day. He's in front of the people talking about, you know, this is bad and that's bad and we're going to subpoena this guy. How about somebody like Jordan getting up in front of everybody in Congress and say, shut up, Nadler, you're wrong. How about when you walked out on, uh, walked out of the chambers in Holder? And went through mm -hmm. all this stuff. But, but somebody, you know, and then at least the other stations would be forced to cover it. Oh, no, no. They're, they're now beginning slowly. They're, they have to cover it. And even, like, look, the New York Times saying that the dossier was likely Russian disinformation from the get-go. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Of course, we're on complete Iran watch and the president's reaction 
We'll watch the nutty media and their reaction. And, of course, well, now we got more page-struck text. We haven't had time to really deal with it the way we want to. We'll hit it next week. Uh, Hope you have a great, great summer weekend. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here on Monday.